we are in a series titled, Act Like a Christian. Everybody say, Act Like a Christian. Turn to the person next to you and say, Act Like a Christian. I want to tell you a story. I moved to Dallas about 22 years ago, 23 years ago now, almost 24. And I was so excited to move to Dallas because at that time, there was a brand new reality show that was based in Dallas called Cheaters. Y'all know what Cheaters is? I was like, I this is great. And I'm, I literally, uh, and my time's off, I would drive around hoping to see them filming and jump in the video. Like, that was my goal, was to somehow end up in a Cheaters video. As one of, I can't believe that guy did that. That dude right there. I see him right there. He's in the car. Look behind that thing right there. And I was all into this show, like Cheaters. Like, I even did a whole sermon series on cheating against God. I mean, it was this whole thing that I was into. And I ended up, our church was a large church. I ended up with somebody who actually worked on the set of Cheaters. And I was like, you got to tell me all about it. I was so into it. I'd never seen reality TV like this. It was like, it was groundbreaking that they can run around investigating and finding people cheating on each other. Just unbelievable, right? And this person who was in our church who worked on set with Cheaters let it out the bag. And they said, Pastor... You know it's not real. I said, what? They said, no, it's all scripted. I said, you stop your line right now. I'm in. i like, this is real. Like, we're catching these jokers cheating on their spouse. This is good. St- this is real TV. And they're like, no, Pastor, it's all scripted. Those are actors. Can I tell you the depression that I went through? All those episodes, those people didn't even know each other. They were hired actors to act like, no wonder they could catch them. No wonder. I was like, man, these guys are good at catching people cheating. This is unbelievable. And I went into a depression. It was from that point. Then I had to challenge everything. Is wrestling real? Hold on. (laughs) But in that moment, I was so frustrated. Why? Because what was supposed to be real was really fake. We're in this series about act like a Christian Because I think we have an entire generation that look at the church and say, are you fake? Because when I'm at Walmart with you, you sure are quick to cuss me out, and yet you call yourself a Christian. In fact, I've had people tell tell me in the past, you know, I don't want to be a Christian. I ask them, why? They said, because all the Christians I've met, they're still in the same bars, drinking the same stuff I'm drinking. They're still just as depressed, just as angry. They're still cheating on their spouses. But at the end of the day, they got to go to church on Sunday. I'm out playing golf. Forget y'all's mess. And I think it's time like never before to go back to what is a Christian and how do we act? And the reason why we honed in on this is because God himself wants us to know how to act like a Christian. And I keep proving it to you. Out of his 66 books in the Bible that he wrote for us, one of them he named Acts. Acts, and it's the acts of the early church, the early apostles, the early believers, and how they acted, how they lived. Last week, we looked at how they moved in miracles. Christians move in miracles. That's what we do. He said, I don't really move in miracles. Well, there's something disconnected. We need to get it back right. Go back and listen to that teaching. And today, as we jump in, we're going to, we titled this one, Christians Literally Wrestle with Righteousness. We wrestle with righteousness. What is right, what is secular, what is wicked, we wrestle with that. And so our key passage is going to be out of Acts chapter 15. We've been going through the book of Acts, pulling different passages, 
There's no way to go from chapter to chapter. There's 28 chapters. I'd have to do a year series with you. I actually teach the book of Acts at a local Bible school, and it is uh, 32 weeks, and I don't even get the 28 chapters barely covered. And those classes are 28 weeks at an hour class, and you guys barely listen to me for 30 minutes. So with that being said... I push you to 45, though. You're all right. You guys are awesome. So we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 15. If I can set up this chapter for you, you need to understand a little bit that most of the early church believers, the moment that there was salvation, the, the Jesus, the Messiah, was a Jew. In fact, the majority of your Bible is written by Jews to Jews. Jesus was a Jew. He was an Israeli. He came as the Messiah of the earth, but God's precious people is Israel who had a covenant relationship with God. Jesus said it, the gospel is to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. And those and Gentile is those of us that are not full-blooded Jews. And so in Acts chapter 15, there is this difficulty transpires. And I'll set it up for you a little bit. The Jews, for the most part, are the ones who get the gospel first. They're getting saved. They're following Christ. They've got the law of Moses that they've grown up with. They've grown up with all these regulations on what right is and what wrong is. It's called the law, the law of Moses. You've got the Ten Commandments. You've got all these teachings and laws of Moses that God gave them when they came out of Egypt because they were so wicked and vile because for 400 years they had been in Egypt. And so they are basically Satan worshippers like the Egyptians were, they were in the black magic, they were in all of these wicked things. Culture had taken over righteousness in the Israelis' life as they went while they were slaves in Egypt. And so God brings them out of that. And then he has to give them, listen, let me explain to you what right and wrong is. So he begins to have this, these commandments, these teachings. You ha- this is right, this is wrong. And for the Jew uh, to be in relationship with God, God said, and so if you're going to be my people, then I want a mark in the men's body. I want every man to be circumcised, proving that you're in covenant relationship with me, and I'm in covenant relationship with you. And he actually tells them throughout the Old Testament, if you will be my, you'll be my people, and I will be your God. If you obey my commandments, then I will go before you, and I will be your God, and you'll be my people, and I'll protect you, and I'll watch over you, and you will be light into darkness, and all the nations of the earth will know that I am God because of the way we engage and the people of the earth will want me as their God because they see how well I treat my people and they'll, they'll turn to me. But Israel kept going back and forth to idol worship and the, back and forth into bi- disobeying the teachings or the law of Moses. So Jesus comes to earth and what he does is he doesn't do away with the Old Testament law. He fulfills it. He lives holy and righteous, and he, and he, but he brings the heart of the Father to planet earth, and he shows humanity what it is to have a divine relationship with the living God through Christ. And so we become Christians, followers of Christ, through faith. We believe in Christ and the grace he offers us, and then he extends the power of his Holy Spirit, the personal Holy Spirit, to live and abide in us. So what's transpiring in Acts chapter 15 is that all these Jewish people have come to Christ. Well, they already have right. They know what right is with God because they have been trained in the law of the Lord. They've been trained in it. They've grown up since they were little kids knowing that's right, that's wrong. Well, all these Gentiles have lived as pagans their whole lives. And so these Gentiles come to Christ and by faith, and all of a sudden the power of the Holy Spirit is flowing through them. But they still got a whole lot of stuff that they do culturally that everybody over here, the Jews are like, uh-uh, no, sir, that's wicked. And so there's this conflict. And so literally the early church began to wrestle with what is righteous and what is secular. 
And if I could help you for a moment, the term righteous is literally translated as the definition of it is the quality of being morally true or right order with God. Morally true or in right order with God. So let's turn now to Acts chapter 15. And so we've got these two big works that have happened. There's a huge gathering of believers in Jerusalem. At this point, Jerusalem church is probably up to 20,000 people. It's the mother church. But over in a city called Antioch, there has been this explosion of, of the radical thing that God has done where all of these Gentiles have gotten saved. And there's some Jewish Christians and some Gentile Christians, and they make up, if you will, Antioch, the Antioch church. It is a multicultural church, much like us. The Jewish church or the Jerusalem church is predominantly all Jews. They all have the Torah. They've had, now they've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, righteousness in Christ Jesus. But they have all this morality that they have learned and known and lived in all their life. These guys, they've all come out of paganism. They're barely even understanding why this is wrong. And so we have this conflict, and the church begins to wrestle with what is righteous. What is righteous? Let's pick up in, in Acts chapter 15, verse 1. Certain people came down from Judea. To Antioch, and they were teaching the believers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas. Now, Paul and Barnabas were pretty much the leaders of the Antioch church, and then you've got uh, James and the elders and some of the apostles are leading the Jerusalem church. And so these people came from this church to the little young church that's just been birthed, that's having revival, and they start realizing, whoa, you guys ain't acting right. Hold up just a second. We need to get some of this stuff straight. So they start teaching, listen, if you get circumcised, then you'll really be saved. And if you, do the, and if you follow the customs and the teaching of the law. And, and it says that this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute. Everybody say sharp dispute. Anybody know what sharp dispute is? Married people do. Some of y'all had some sharp dispute last night. It's, it's not that, it, I mean, we ain't going to come into blows, but we in sharp dispute. I still love you and all, but uh-uh, no, sir, that ain't right. Hold up and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas was appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. So what happens is all the guys at Antioch go, we got to get this figured out because these guys are saying that we're not holy enough. We're not righteous enough. They're saying that we're too secular and, and that we should do these other things to prove that we're not secular. And so Paul, Paul and Barnabas is like, no, sir, say by faith, not through works, lest any man should boast. No, sir. No, sir. The righteousness of Christ is coming through because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, you've got some stuff that we still are working out, but no, sir, you're not saved by that. And so well, are we not saved by that? Well, do, should we? I don't know. Let's go argue it out at Jerusalem. So they created Jerusalem Council. Paul and Barnabas and some of the elders from, from this church, from the sister church or the baby church, the birth church out of Jerusalem, they all come together and they have what's called a Jerusalem Council. And all the bigwigs sit in rooms and they debate it out. They're wrestling with what is right, what is holy, what is secular. They're wrestling this thing out. And so if you will, drop down with me to uh, uh, verse 5. It says, and then some of the believers, so they're in the middle of this wrestling this thing out. 
And it says, then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said. So this is huge. We got a bunch of Pharisees and Sadducees. They were, they were huge Jewish uh, uh, rabbinical and, um, and uh, Judaism defenders. They've now gotten saved, and they're followers of Christ. But they have these strong, they're, they're hypers. They're hyper-Christianity, maybe is a term you might would write. Or they're, they're Reformed theology, whatever you want to get into. All right, so sorry to offend anybody. It says, and then the belief. And then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and the elders met to consider this question. What's the question? Can you truly be saved if you still have all these carnal, secular things in your life? This isn't righteousness. We know that the law is righteous is what the Pharisees points. And so they have to literally grapple with this. They're wrestling with this. Is that right? Is, is it right to drink and be a Christian? Can you smoke and be a Christian? Can you, can you listen to Ozzy Osbourne and be a Christian? Oh my. They're wrestling. They're wrestling with this thing, right? <laughs> you laugh, right? <laughs> and so it says in verse 7, after much discussion. Everybody say much discussion. It wasn't just, a, you know, they didn't have the, the preacher do get up and say, I have determined this is what we're going to do. Y'all shut up. Let's go. That's not what transpired. Much discussion. This person gives their point. And what the scripture says over here about that. This one gives this point. Over here, what the, what the, what the scripture say over about this. They are arguing back and forth, and they all have great points. That's why there's much discussion. If there wasn't great points, then there couldn't be much discussion. It'd be like, you're a liar. You're just super religious. You just need to get out of here. It's none of that. It is, we got to we need to wrestle with this. Where's rightness? In? Why? Because they want to be right with God. This is the heart. Christians should be wrestling with righteousness. What's right? We should be wrestling with it daily. Why? Because I want to be right with God. I don't want to be the old man. The old has passed away. I'm a new creature in Christ. Listen, God, if that's not good, if what I'm involved in and what I do, what I like, if it's, if it's offensive to you, I don't want it. This is the heart of the true believer. And this is why they're wrestling with it. They're wrestling with it. And so it says, after much discussion, Peter, so not Paul and Barnabas, Peter, he gets up and he addresses them. And this is what he says. Sorry, I lost my space. He gets up and he says, <coughs> he says, um, Mm, let me find my place. There we go. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. So he refers back to sometime earlier in the early stages of this revival that's breaking out and people are following Christ and these Jews are that Peter is having this moment with the Lord, and he's on, he's, he's on the top of a roof of a house, and he's just praying and worshiping, and the Lord speaks to him. At, at the same time, an angel shows up at a man named Cornelius' house. This man is not a Jew, but he, love, he wants to know God. And he's been praying, God, if you're out there, who are you? Would you show up? He keeps giving money to, 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 to you know, the poor and things like that. He's a wealthy, uh, influential man. And an angel shows up and says, the Lord has heard your cry. There's a dude named Peter. Send your people to go get Peter. Uh, whoa. Okay, angel of God, I'll do it. These men show up, Gentiles show up at a Jewish dude's house. Jews and Gentiles do not do, relation, do, not do life together. And so the knock on the door, is there a guy named Peter here? Peter's like, here I am. God, uh, an angel told us to come get you because you got something to come give to our, to our, um, to our boss. And uh, at the same time, Peter has an open vision, and God says, do not call unholy what I call holy. 
You go, you, go, you go with these men and you go tell them the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Peter goes with, that would have been anti the establishment. We do not. The Lord told us not to intermingle with the Gentiles because they're so wicked. Because when God puts that in the Israelis' life hundreds of years earlier, it's because they were so wicked and they kept going back and forth into adulterous, cheater relationships with the pagans that God said, cut it off. You do not need to engage with pagans like this. Now, the gospel has come and he's saying, they're not pagans, they're my people because the gospel's here to save all. And so Peter goes and as he's preaching the gospel to these pagans, the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They begin to speak in tongues and start prophesying. And Peter and them are like, what just happened? Fast forward to the conflict. What's right? What's secular? What, what should we be doing? In the midst of this conflict, Peter stands up in all of the debates going forward, back and forth. And he says, listen, God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us because the power of the Holy Spirit is the miraculous engagement of the new covenant. The old, the old covenant didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in them, didn't have the person of the Holy Spirit. He'd come down at times on Samson. He'd come down on Elijah. He'd do miracles, and then he'd lift off and go back into the heavens. But now the believers in Jesus Christ have the person of the Holy Spirit living and abiding in them. And now they're moving in miracles. They're, they're being convicted of their sins that they didn't even know were sins. And this is happening. He says, if God would pour out his Holy Spirit on them, even though they're pagans, they're Gentiles, they don't know our ways. They don't know the truths of God's law. If he'll do that, then God must be in this thing. And this is what he stands up and testifies about. He said, verse 9, he did not discriminate between us and them. For he, poured in, uh, he purified their hearts by faith, not by rules and regulations, by faith. He started purifying their hearts. He said he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. He says, so, so why would we give them the list of don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. It, our own families, our ancestors couldn't live under it. We still were sinners. We knew what right was and we knew what wrong was. But we still couldn't live it. We still were perverts. We still, we still watched our soaps every morning and all throughout the day. We still couldn't stop the flesh. We just couldn't get control over it because it wasn't by the law that we're saved. It's through faith in Jesus and the grace that he extends and says, you know what, you wicked and you a bunch of perverts. But if you make me the Lord of your life, I will accept you as mine. So your faith that I'm God, you come and confess that I'm your Lord, and you submit to me, and I'll pour out my Holy Spirit into you. And what they couldn't do by knowing right and wrong, they knew what right and wrong was, but they couldn't live it. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit. And not only is he going to help you live righteously, your righteousness is going to surpass that of the Pharisees. Because they have rules and regulations, and they can't even keep it up. And they're trying to keep up personality in front of everybody, like, oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But behind the scenes, we know they're beating their wives. Behind the scenes, we know they're, a bunch of, they're looking at porn all night long. But what's happened here is he poured out his spirit. And so Peter stands up and says, this is the true gospel, and this is what needs to happen. But they're grappling. And I'll tell you why they're grappling with this thing. 
Because these new Christians, these Gentile Christians, they, this stuff that they're doing that you and I even be like, what? You're a Christian and you do what? They're, they drink blood wine. They drink in the blood. That's what Satan worshipers do. And to a Jew, you're, you, you, you're my brother and you're drinking blood? That's what Satan worshipers do, bro. Don't you know that? Oh, it's just how I grew up. It's good. Don't you like the flavor? No, uh-uh. Ooh, no. I don't think so. I don't think so. They're still involved in all kinds of sexual impropriety. And for a Jewish person who's been trained their whole life on what right and wrong is out of the law, that is wrong. You can't live in adultery and call yourself a Christian. You can't. And, 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 and so they're grappling with this thing where it's right, though, but, they, but they're also prophesying. I know. And this is where they're having a counsel because they're wrestling with what is righteousness, what is faith in God, how, what's secular and what's acceptable and what's not. And they're wrestling with this thing back and forth, back and forth. The Jewish believer's position. And here's the Jewish, the, the Pharisaical position. And their position was this, right acting leads to right faith. Peter stands up and says, no, 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 no. Right faith leads to right acting. So this is how you know the difference between religion and relationship, right? right? The Pharisaical viewpoint, because this is all they've ever known. If you obey my Ten Commandments, then I will accept you. When you read through the Old Testament, it's fun, so much fun to watch people who've been in church a long time who especially want to put all this heavy burden on, on young believers because they're like, this is right, this is wrong. And, and they were doing this in this time. Why? Because the Old Testament's concept was if you do right, then you will be right. That's how God presented himself to the Jewish people. So when you read through all the Old Testament, if you obey my teach, if you do this, then you're accepted by me. This is the difference in the new covenant relationship. If you come to me and put your faith in me, then out of that love will spring forth right actions. Let me illustrate it like this. I love this woman sitting on the front row with all my heart. 30 years a faithful marriage relationship with her. She loves me. When she said, I do, I had her. That was it. Like, I couldn't wait to get to that altar because I knew she was a woman of the word. And once I got her to say, I do, that was it. She couldn't go back on it. And I just like, if I can get her to say yes before almighty God, I got her forever. I love my wife. Because I love her, I, I enjoy taking out the trash. I, I don't cheat with other women, not because I can't, not because good or bad, it's because I love her so much that I want to be pleasing to her. True Christianity, true faith in Christ comes from this place, I love you so much that if it's wrong, if it's against your nature, I don't want it. I don't need to see how, one, one preacher said it like this, I don't want to see how close, how, how close to the world I can get and still be a Christian. I want to see how close to Christianity I can get and still live in this old wicked world. I want to see how close to Christ I can get and still be in this old wicked world. This is the heart of true relationship and true covenant with Christ. Now, some of you have grown up in the church your whole life, and you just still got all this fleshly stuff, and you stop wrestling with it. 
You stop wrestling like, you're just like, well, that's just who it is. You know, that's just what I am. I just, that's my bad habit. I just do it. I don't know what to tell you. I still love God. Da, 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 da. That's what I'm trying to teach you. They are wrestling with this stuff. They're like, we got to figure this thing out. Why? Because the law says this is right. And Paul said it really clear in Romans. He said, listen, the, if we didn't have the law, we wouldn't know what right and wrong was at. The law is beautiful. It's not wicked. It's not terrible. Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not do That's not horrible and terrible. It doesn't destroy our faith. Just the opposite. It shows us we're right and wrong. What God is like shows us his nature. And then now, with a new covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, when I put my faith in him, and he extends grace to me, and then he gives me his Holy Spirit, I now have such a love for him, and such a compensity for him, and such power of the Holy Spirit, that I can live beyond all the rules and regulations, because it comes from a place of the heart, not from my wife. Can you imagine? If you love me, you take out the trash. If you love me, don't cheat on women. If she gave me a list of things on how I was going to love her, then that would come from a place of trying not to disappoint her instead of faith that she loves me and I love her. And even if I forget to take out the trash, she's like, oh, that's all right, baby. I got you. Just don't keep doing it, all right, because I love you. I don't, like, you don't better tighten yourself up. That is what true Christianity looks like. And they're grappling with this thing. They're not sure. They're not 100% sure. I remember years ago I was preaching at this young adult conference for a big mega church. They did a big conference and had, you know, mostly all their people in all the churches in the area brought a bunch of young adults. And, and uh, I, was in the, I was in the back room talking with the, with the young pastor and giving him some counsel and some things, and they had already started, and they started worship. And I was like, dude, worship just started. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, look, I don't like to miss worship. I'm here for Jesus, not here to preach the word to you. I'm not sitting in the back green room being important and come walking in. How y'all doing all right? I'm, I'm here to preach. We don't do, do that mess. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure, Pastor. I said, come on, let's go out. So we go out on the front row and uh, kind of over in this section over here and because the, oh, the whole place is packed. Thousands of young adults in their 20s. And so, you know, I, I just immediately go up and just start worshiping God. And I just kind of, I kind of got this, like, sense. And I kind of opened my eyes and I looked down the road, down the front row. And down on the front row were these people and they were worshiping with everything they had. And I was like, that is so beautiful. But the, more, the reason why I got my attention because their worship was different than everybody else's. As they were worshiping, they were... I just kept, like, I kept looking down there like, something about that ain't right. But they were all past. And I, and I was just like, I started. And so after a few minutes, I was like, man, I'm really, what is happening over there? And finally, I just leaned over to the guy. I was like, hey, um. You know, I don't want to be critical. Those guys are, you can tell if you have any sensi sensitivity to the Spirit of God. Those people are really worshiping Jesus. And I said, but, but um, hey, uh, what's going on with them down there? He goes, oh, pastor, that's the greatest story ever. I mean, and look, there's like eight of them. And they are the best looking people in the room. They are fine. I mean, guys and girls, they are in their mid-20s and they are they the best looking people in the room. They, and their clothes are all, you know, and, and tight and, and, and hip and whatnot. And I just like, I said, man, what, what's going on there? He goes, oh, Pastor, that's the greatest story ever. He said about three weeks ago, that's a whole group of strippers from the local strip club. He said, they all got saved. I said, that makes sense how they're worshiping. Okay. Well, I was like, well, it's... It, Praise the Lord. <laughs> Wrestling with righteousness. Like, like somebody may need to tell them they don't pole dance in church. I mean, like, I mean, like, I don't know, I don't know where we go with this, but their heart was so, are you with me? So sincere. There's a grappling, there's a wrestling with righteousness that we as Christians do. And it's okay. 
It's okay that you haven't, you, you're still not there yet. You're still like, I'm just not there yet, you know. I'm just not ready to forgive them. You're wrestling with it. You're wrestling with it. It's okay. The early church wrestled with righteousness and what's righteous, what's secular. It, it's, it's okay. We should be wrestling with it. The problem is when we stop wrestling with it. And we say, you know what? I don't care what the word says or what y'all say or anything like that. I don't, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do. That is a brokenness in alignment with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, according to Scripture, came to convict us, to strengthen us, to guide us, to bring us into right nature with Christ. I want to look like Jesus. I don't want to look like my culture. I don't care what culture is doing. I want to look like Jesus. I want to act like Jesus. I want to smell like Jesus. I, want to, I, I, I don't want to be extracted from my culture because I want to win my culture to Christ. But if I look so much like my culture, then I don't look so much like my Jesus because my Jesus does not look like culture. He is the king of glory. He is not subject to the demonic forces that are pushing culture. He stands outside of that. He is the righteous example. He is, and that's why he came to earth. He could have just sent us videos. He could have just sent his teachings. Oh, I don't know, the law. But they looked down, the Godhead looked down and said, I've got to bring the people back to me. And Jesus said, Daddy, I'll do it. And he came down and he took on the form of a man. He came into our culture, our way of living, and he said, let me show you what love looks like. Let me show you what it looks like. It doesn't just look like everybody's wonderful and everybody's grace. No, no, he cleared a temple with a whip. That ain't right, and I'm going to clear it out. Ma'am, I love you, and yes, where are the people? You've been caught in adultery. I love you. I forgive you. Now don't go back into that sin anymore. This is the nature of Christ. And this, as we dive into this, as we keep reading in, jump down to verse 19. And so they've got this back and forth. Peter stands up and says that. And then James, who's really the lead pastor of, of the Jerusalem church, and he is the half-brother of Jesus. His mama was Mary and Joseph. Jesus' daddy was not Joseph. And so, and so he's the half-brother of Jesus, and so he's pretty much in charge of the, the, the big, big, big mother church, the big mega church there in Jerusalem. And he stands up and he says, it's my judgment. I've been listening to this for hours. They may have gone days. We're not really clear on that. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Okay, let's, let's hold off on that statement for a second. Let's break it down. They're not, so in our English, turning to God makes it sound like they're coming to Christ. They've already come to Christ. That's not what he's, that's not what, this better translates out in the original Greek. Again, our English words translated it out as turning to God. The better translation for our modern day way of thinking is he's really saying, let us not put, the, the, the Gentiles are becoming more like God. They haven't arrived yet. They're in the process. Come on, somebody. Anybody still in the process? I'm telling you, I'm still in the process. They're still working through some things. He says, so listen, he says, let's don't make it difficult for them as they're working through some things, as they're becoming more like God. We have an advantage. We've grown up our whole life knowing what right and wrong is, knowing how God's nature is, knowing that God said, ooh, don't do that. Don't you dare do that. In fact, I want you to do this so that you know that that's wrong. We don't need them to be circumcised to prove that they have been in relationship with Christ. They've been circumcised to the heart. So let's don't make them do that. That's difficult. They won't even understand the illustration of that. God had us do these festivals. Why? Because he wanted us to remember that we were slaves in Egypt and he delivered us. 
So that's why we have our Passover meals. And we got all the little symbols that this piece of meat stands for this. And this piece of bread stands for this. And we don't put any kind of leaven in that bread. Because that, that is the show of how we always were embracing sin. And a little bit of worldliness. And that, even by eating that meal, it has all of these ramifications. They don't need that. They don't even understand that. It will take years for them to even embrace why God had all these symbolisms that mean so much to us. I always love to walk up to some young man that's got some tattoo and ask him, what's that about? It's amazing the stories I get. My brother, I was overseas in the military. My brother, who I was always protecting, he got, he, he got killed in an accident. And that's why I got, it. I got that statement right there. It means that I'm forever faithful to him. Oh, wow. If I go get that same tattoo, people are going to be like, what's that mean? I, I, this dude had a brother. I don't really know. And so that's literally all of these pieces over here have all these intimate connections with God for this people group. Doesn't make any sense to these people. So he said, we don't need all that. He says, we don't need that. But he does say, but we need to correct them on some stuff. So let's tighten them up. He says, instead, we should write to them telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from meat of strangled animals, and from blood. And from blood. So they give them four directives. And three of them have to do dietary engagement. And and, and the reason why these are so... So let's start with the one, food polluted by idols. you got to understand, the culture of the time, the Greek and Roman culture, they had all kinds of gods. They were polytheistic. Which means, which is always interesting, like when I see all these, these, these guys going to go do a crusade in India, and they have billions and billions of people in their crusade, and all the people say, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. We got to understand, India is a polytheistic culture. They will add Jesus to their God list just like any other. If, if, that, if Jesus will help them get, get out of poverty, we'll add him to our list, but I'm also going to worship the sun god. I'm also going to worship Buddha. I'm also going to worship, because he helps me over here, or this God helps me over there. And so all of these Gentiles have come to Christ, but the Jewish guys are concerned. Some of the things you're doing makes us worried that all you're simply saying is, I've added Jesus to all my other gods. And so if you eat meat that has been sacrificed to idols, that is a clear sign to us that you've just added Jesus to all your other gods. And so don't do that because what they would do in those days is they would go to the temple of their choice for whatever thing they needed, the, the God of, uh, of, of, of sexual enjoyment. And they, you know, they're having problems in their marriage or can't, the God of fertility. They would go to that temple and then those temple priests would say, okay, if you want to get healed of that, this is the three things you need to do. You need to bring a such and such. Come on, like Catholic Church, you need to bring a such and such. You need to pay for a such and such and pay for a such and such. And then what they typically would do is have them go get an animal, have it slaughtered, bring or they would slaughter it for them, and they would then give them half the meat, and then they would go offer the other meat on the idol, uh, at the altar of the idol, this big image that they had in their temple. It's how they financed their, their continuation of their, uh, of their pagan worship. And then that one piece of meat they would send home with you, you were then supposed to get all your friends together and celebrate the god of Astaroth or, the, or whatever, the god of Zenith or whatever. You're supposed to celebrate with all your friends that that god, this meat, meat, meat that meal that you're having, was a connection, a divine connection with the god. There's a piece of meat from this animal at his feet, and it's being burned in worship. And then there's a piece right here at our table, and we're eating it as a love offering unto the god that, that is going to help us. And so the Jewish Christians are like, I don't think so. Not only that, but they were bringing it to after church picnics. 
And they were like, I ain't eating that, you bunch of pagans. They're like, that's not right. And the Gentile Christians are like, we love the Lord. He's so good. And they're like, "Uh uh-uh, that don't smell right. That don't look right. And so James says, listen, let's not put all these burdens of fulfilling the law requirements that God gave us. But at the same time, y'all can't be doing this. Because something about that just ain't right. That's secular. That just, it says stuff to us Jewish believers that make us wonder, are you, true, are you a true follower of Christ? Because you're eating meat. And, 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 and that was sacrificed to idols. They would also take that meat that was left over, the priest of these different pagan temples, and they would go, at the end of the day, they'd go put it on the Walmart Blue Light Special, Kmart Blue Light Special aisle. Y'all don't remember that? Sorry, I hate myself. They put it on discount at the market because it had been sitting out with the flies out in, front of the tent, out in front of that God. And so then the Christians who were poor or whatever, trying to get a little discount, they would go buy that meat and eat it. Paul actually has to get into this in the Corinthians, and we'll cover that here in just a second, about that meat really. Because the believers believed, or the Jewish believers believed that if you ate that meat that was sacrificed to idols, that the demons that were connected to that idols would be connected to that meat because you're given this, this engagement with this God and its demons, and those demons could affect you possibly. So they would stay way away from it. So he says, let's not have any of that kind of meat sacrifice idols, okay? Don't do any of that. But let's stop all the blood drinking. You know, you're not a Klingon. The blood wine, ah. We're not doing it. And the reason why is because for the Jewish faith, God actually tells us in the Old Testament that life is in the blood. And so to drink the blood of an animal was a pagan satanic worship ritual where you would take the spirit and the life of that animal. They still do it today in hunting. You see some of these guys that are in, in, in sort of mysticism when they hunt and they kill an animal and they'll drink the blood because I take on the spirit. You know, you see this a lot in Native American type, you know, pieces and things like that. Some of the occultic practices like that. They still, it's, they, they still do that. And they're like, you can't drink the blood, please. Don't drink the Maybe for you it's no big deal because that's how you grew up and you don't have any connection to the demons and to the satanic worship. But for us who know right and wrong and how God refused us to have any other gods before him. This is a sign and a symbol to all of us that you are literally still connected to Satan worship. So you need to stop that. Please, you got to stop it. They gave them a directive. This, you're going to stop this, okay? And then, and then also, you know, you, animals strangled. So what they would do so that they, could, so that they could have the blood still in the meat. And again, back to the whole, the, 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 the life in the blood. That's why the life in the blood piece is why our, our, our covenant relationship with Christ and when we take communion and that this, this, this juice represents the blood that I'm going to share because I'm giving my life source to you. You understand that in the covenant relationship? And so, and so when we take communion, this wine represents or this juice represents that Jesus spilt his blood, gave his life source so that I could have life and have his power and his presence and his Holy Spirit living and abiding in me. This new covenant relationship. So don't drink blood. And, and then the animals that were strangled, they would strangle them instead of cutting them and bleeding them out. If you know anything about butchering, you bleed out the blood out of the meat, out of the body, and then you skin it and so forth and so on. And so they, were, they would strangle them and then eat it with all the blood in it. Talk about raw meat, like gross, okay? No, don't do that. And then they came back to him and said, in the fork directive, is you cannot live in sexual sin. You cannot live in homosexuality and call yourself a follower of Christ. You cannot live in adultery and call yourself a... You cannot live... And you got to understand, in that time, especially, huge sex trafficking. Huge. Every Roman dignitary, every Roman dignitary had a slave boy that they had sex with. 
That's what they had. So yes, you've gotten saved, and yes, that is your culture. And yes, you don't see anything wrong with it, but it's wicked. And we can't, we just, you cannot do it. We won't put all these other things on you, but that in and of itself is proof that you don't really have, uh, you, you haven't gotten to that place with Christ yet. Yes, you may have made a covenant relationship with Jesus. Yes, you may have been, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit may have been poured out on you, and you're prophesying and moving in miracles. But this right here, this is not like Christ. Stop it. Don't do it. And here's the beauty of this whole thing. You keep reading. They then send a letter to them. And I want to read the letter because it's this long, drawn-out 16 points. You ready? Here's the letter. Verse 28. They open with, It seems good to the Holy Spirit and us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. When's the last time you were corrected like that in the body of Christ? Hey, don't do that. We love you. Farewell. Trust the Holy Ghost to do it. <laughs> Can you imagine? They're like, they've, got, they've been debating for hours and hours and hours. And they come to a conclusion and they write, what is that, two, three sentences? And there's no like big, you know, and according to Leviticus, you have said, the Deuteronomy and the law, none of that. Hey. We see the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. Wow. Hey, don't do these four things. God bless. Farewell. <laughs> Powerful. That simple. Why? Because the true believer is submitted to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin, righteousness, and the judgment to come. And so, it, but it is our job as the body of Christ to wrestle with this. And say to our sister, hey, sister, I love you. We're so grateful that you're helping us be worshiping the youth ministry. But um, when you wear that outfit like that, I just, oh, this is from a place of love. You can hate me. I don't mean to. But some of them young fellows are having a hard time. And we don't want to cause them to stumble. But now at the same time, God's at work in your life. God will work this thing through you. I'm not going to stand in judgment of it. I'm just glad you're serving Jesus. We're one family. The beauty of this whole engagement. Now, you think about this. This Jewish group, this Jew, nowhere in Scripture that it says this Jewish group go, that's not enough. We don't want to be a part of a church that lets these Gentiles call themselves Christians. And they still... All right, there you go. Y'all just edit that out of the video for online. Sorry, online. So, hold on, it's going to snap back in. These pants got tighter somehow. The water in Cedar Hill is messing up all my clothes. I have no idea where I was at, but it was going to be good. And so, oh, so, and so they don't leave the church over it. They don't say, forget y'all. They go, you know what? We're going to submit to this too. And we're going to trust the Holy Spirit's at work in our brothers. Our brothers. I don't think they're doing it all right, but it doesn't matter. Because I'm serving God with all my heart, and I found grace. Grace has been, I couldn't live the Torah either. I couldn't keep all the Ten Commandments either. So thank you for grace, Lord. And Lord, the same grace you have on me, Lord, you're having it on these guys who still got a little bit of paganness in them. Still got a little bit of paganism in them. It's okay. 
God, you'll work it out. This is what the church does. Real Christians wrestle with righteousness. We don't run around and deep judgment for each other. We let people wrestle through. I'll never forget when we had a transgender man, transgender, transgender lady coming to the church, uh, or identifying as a woman, but was a biological man. And uh, had family that came to church here, and, uh, and they kept inviting them to come to church. And, um, and they showed up. And, um, and I was so proud of Hill City. I was so proud of you guys. It was obvious that the, that person was not born a woman. It was obvious. And, um, and they would sit right there on about the third or fourth row. And um, everyone would run over to them and love them. Say, thank you for being here. And I would preach the word like I would preach it any other way. Tell the truth just like I would tell it any other way. I'm not after any individual. I'm just telling you what the word says. I don't have an axe to grind. I don't have a person to try to get in or out of our church or some family that I don't really like. So I'm going to have these little side sucker punches in the middle of me preaching. I don't have any of that. I don't want to. Uh, who wants that? I just want to love Jesus and I want you to love Jesus. And if you don't want to, praise God, I'm always still here. And so, and so man, listen, after about three weeks, that person never tried to um, try to make a point. That person didn't try to, uh, you know, go walk through a certain bathroom to make everybody insecure. That person didn't go. They, they honored us. And we honored their life existence. Because Jesus would that none should perish but all come to eternal life. And that's his creation. He loves them even though Satan has confused them and lied to them. He died on a cross for them. Just as much as he died on the cross for all your sinfulness and all my sinfulness. And his sinfulness... That person's sinfulness isn't no greater than your gossip or your lying or your porn, heterosexual porn addiction. It's all sin. It all has to be redeemed under the blood of Christ. We all have to submit to the goodness of Jesus. And we're all still grappling with our sin and wrestling with our righteousness and what righteousness looks like. And after three or four weeks, that person was so gracious. They said, you know, I don't believe what you're teaching and I don't believe in Christianity but I sure do appreciate how you guys were kind and gracious to us and they walked away beautiful it was wonderful the church should always be embracing so that all men may know that he is Christ but we should never step over the line into sin with them why would we do that he delivered us from that and that's our position. So with that being said, I want to give you, with a few minutes that I have left, let me give you a couple positional statements. So as Christians, we're wrestling with, you need to understand, as Christians, we are, I always say this, we are sin prone, not sin committed. Process, 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 sink, embrace. Sin prone. Are you a Christian? Say yes. You are prone to sin. You're probably going to stumble this week. You're going to need to repent of something this week. Because you, you have a sin nature that you're still wrestling with and still putting it back up on the cross. The Holy Spirit's giving you power. You, know, you, may, not, you may not be where you want to be, but you're further than you used to be. Come on, are you with me? Right? All right, so you're sin prone, but not sin committed. And this is the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. Difference between a person who says they're a Christian, but they're truly not a Christian. A person who calls themselves committed to sin or identifies as a, in sin is not a true Christian. I am a Christian, and I have done away with my old way of living, even though my old way of living rises up at times inside of me. 
and I have to repent of it. Are you tracking with this? Let me, give you, let me give you what Galatians 5. So Paul, after all of this engagement with the Jerusalem council, Paul and Barnabas go out and they plant churches. They get people saved. They get all these pagan people saved. Well, he ends up having to wrestle with this thing again with the Galatians. Because the Galatians end up having this encounter with God. They form, formulate a church. Paul gets a church formulated there in Galatia. And, 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 and so Paul has to write them a letter months later. And this is probably a year or so after this whole Jerusalem council. And this is what Paul writes to them in Galatians 5 and 19. He says, listen, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. He's using 30,000 feet words. He's not going into sexual immorality. He's not listing, you know, uh, child molestation, heterosexual adultery, homosexual adultery, homosexual. He's not, he doesn't list all of it. He just puts it all under sexual immorality. Impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred. Watch out, church. Hatred, discord, careful church, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. Watch out, preachers. Mm-hmm. Selfish ambition, are you still with me? Dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, I keep telling you this, that those, keep, catch the words, do you see it on the screen? Those who live, everybody say live. Say it again, live. Those who live like this. What does it say? It ain't me. This is what the word of God says will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you understand? So this is our position. And this is our position in Christ. I, I don't live in sin anymore. I'm a Christian. I stumble with sin. I'm prone to it. I act on it sometimes. But then I go and I repent and I don't live in it. This is why, this may offend some of you, but it's true. This is why there's no such thing as a homosexual Christian. You, you, no, you, you're not. You're, you're, there are Christians who struggle with their sexuality. There are Christians who struggle with same-sex attraction. There are homosexuals who do not embrace the Holy Spirit's conviction, but yet have taken on the title Christian. This is, this is our balance, right? And so that's so why I, I, I'm constantly trying to help someone. I, I've had, I, listen, I have discipled more people who struggle with homosexuality. I've walked it through with them, and guess what the great lie was for them? That this is who I am. Whoa, your identity's not in your sexuality and the wickedness and the hurt of your heart. That's not your, your identity. If you're a Christian, my identity's in Christ. I'm a new creature in Christ. I live like Christ. I act like Christ. I want to be like Jesus. I don't want to be like culture. That's not who I am. And this is the balance that Paul's having to literally go back and spank all the Galatians. I told you all this. Why are you identifying? You cannot be an adulterer or a Christian. You can be a Christian who has struggled with adultery, has sinned against your spouse and sinned against the Lord. You can repent and make it right. But you can't live in that sin and inherit the kingdom of God. This is what he's, it's that, it's, I know. And listen, all of us have people we love so much. That we love, I've got friends that I love so much, and culture has so confused them, and they want both worlds, and this is the breakdown. So the religious guys are trying to say, you got to look like this, and Paul and Peter and all of them are like, whoa, 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 it's by faith in Christ alone. You're right, you're right, but they can't keep living like this, right? No, no, you can't keep living. Everyone agreed with that, and that's why they gave them four directives. You cannot keep doing this, guys. And call yourself followers of Christ. 
There is so much confusion. That would be like me taking a goat head and putting it on the front of the church. You'd be like, whoa. I just like goat meat. Do you? Because that's a symbol in our culture. There's somebody around here serving Satan. It's a symbol. That's why I won't put a, 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 a rainbow flag on the front of the church. Why? Because that's a symbol in my culture for something that does not represent Christ. Although I love every person who's struggling with stuff and believes a certain way that's not even scripturally accurate. This is the truth that we've got to walk in. So let me help you. Write these down. I'm going to give you real quick. I'm going to give you biblical rules to determining righteousness. How do I know what's right, what's righteousness, what's secular, what's not that big a deal? Like, like it's just my freedom in Christ. How do I know? Let me, get, let me give them to you real quick, three, and then we got to go. Number one, what does the word say? What does, the, what does the Bible say? What does it say? Can I just help you? We are so critical for everybody that's struggling with their sexuality. But what about all of our gossip? What about all of, what about all of our hatred? What about our unforgiveness in the church? We're some of the most unforgiving people on the planet. It's amazing how quickly people who don't serve God can, you know, go give each other a six-pack and they forgive each other. And we're like, I don't care if you tell me a hundred times you're sorry. So it was right. I right. It was my position to get to park those cars and you took it from me. It was my week to sing on the stage. And I got bumped and didn't, I didn't get called for the small group party. You're dead to me. Y'all dead to me. Can I tell you, that is not like Christ. We're all over here arguing about sexuality and all the stuff in culture. Man, let's get us right. Let us walk in faith and the grace that's been extended to us and the beauty of the Holy. What does the Word of God say? Oh, I don't know things like forgive your brother. How many times? Seventy times seven. I'll start you there, sucker. Which means infinity in Jew- Jewish culture. Peter was like, oh, dang. Shouldn't ask that question. Because he wanted a limitation on it. I don't know. The Bible talks about how we should pray for those who curse us instead of curse them back. That's what, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that, you know, um, when we want, see, here's what needs to happen. We need to come into alignment with what the word says, even if we don't like it. There is so much in the Bible I don't like. I don't like it. I do not like obeying all authority has been set up by God. I don't like it, barely believe it. Seriously. Like, I know you didn't put that dude in in government. No, you did not. Satan himself put that guy. And the Bible says that all of it, God has put it all in place, and we are to submit to the governing authorities. I'm a Texan. Nobody tell me what to do. I'm American. Proud to be an American. But that's what the Bible says. Anyway, biblical rules to determining where your righteousness is and what's secular. Because I'll tell you, you're going to always have people try to tell you that's secular, you shouldn't be doing it. And you're going to always, always be grappling, and we should be just wrestling with righteousness. What's right? What's wrong? And, and how, do I love my, my, how do I love this guy? I love this guy, but he's committed to this thing that he's in or she's in. And, oh, it breaks my heart, but how do I love him? How do I love him? We're going to constantly be wrestling, and we should. They did it in the early church. The OCs, original Christians did. We should be doing that. Here's the, 
Second biblical rule for determining righteousness. Is there Holy Spirit conviction? Is there Holy Spirit conviction? John 16 and 8. And when he come, when he has come, excuse me, he will convict the world of sin. That's his job. He convicts. So there are times that I'm looking at somebody going, I really wish they wouldn't do that. But instead, there's no really biblical like, ah, it's just not good. I don't, I don't think they mean to come across that way, but it's just not good. And so I then say, I then come into alignment with the scripture, and I begin to pray for them. Say, Holy Spirit, just like you convicted me in that area. You work in them. I, I trust you. I don't need to be the one who's going to set everybody right. Hallelujah. You're wrong, and you're wrong, and you're wrong. That's not my job. I'm not policing your flesh. I am not going to police your flesh. That's stupid. That's the Holy Spirit's job, not mine, to convict you. I bring the word. I love you. I'll correct you if something's wrong. But it is not my job. It is God's job. It is his job and his job alone because he gave you free will. And so he and you have this engagement. Lord, what's right? And so that's why you've got to be wrestling. with Lord, I don't really see it in Scripture. I don't know. I mean, listen, I can't tell you how many young adult conversations I've had with young adults, excuse me, about why is smoking weed wrong. It's the herbs of the field. God created all the herbs. I'm like, it's just bad, bro. Don't drink the blood. <laughs> like, I'm wrestling with this. Well, you got this kind of drug, and you pharmaceutical, and the doctors give you this, this, and this, and CBD, bling, bling. I just, well, the Bible does say we need to be above reproach. The Bible says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We should be. But that same argument works for why am I eating so much chocolate late at night? Right? And so it's so fun, right? Because we're grappling with it. We're wrestling with it. We're wrestling. But the Spirit of the Lord will convict us. How do we put people in the hands of the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, you work in them. I don't know. I'm just doing my best. When I first became a Christian, I was young, you know. We were, I, was, I was a teenager, 12, 13 range. And, and, uh, and I was growing. I was grappling with, I want to be like Jesus. But then I love, you know, sin. I was a teenager, you know. You know and, um, and in my era... You know, I finally got a TV, and I grew up, we didn't, you know, you had one TV in the house, and it was black and white, and you had to go turn the channels with the little knob, and so finally, you know, it got to the place where I could have my own little TV, mom, mom laughs about this, mom and dad laugh about this all the time, and I love to be entertained, can you tell? I love it, I can watch 17 hours of TV and only get up because I got to go to the bathroom so bad, I can flip, I, I can have three Three things happening. I can watch three shows at one time, four shows at one time. Drives Jamie insane. If it goes to commercial, I'm already at the other show. I mean, I mean, I am moving, man, like that. Like, I just love information. I love seeing things. I love people. That's why TikTok is like, I mean, because it's, it's, like, it's like 90 seconds of people doing stuff. That's all I need. I just need 90 seconds or two minutes at the most. And like, wow. Like, I'm like, baby, look at this. Look at this baby eat his booger. This is funny. And she's like, oh, my God, stop sending me those. Baby, look at how they're making millions of dollars selling rental property. We got to get into this. She's like, oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. All this stuff, right? And so I'm just that guy. Well, when I was a teenager, I would, I would have this TV in my room. And, and, and I'm telling you, I was supposed to be studying or uh, having time with the Lord. And I would just turn on the TV and watch it. 
And then I get convicted. Spirit of the Lord, convict me. I was like, ah, I shouldn't be watching TV. And so I would unplug it. But then a couple days later, you know, I'd plug it back in and watch my favorite shows. Everybody was into whatever shows, you know. And I I wanted to be able to talk to to them about it at school. See, back in those days, it wasn't a la carte, you little Netflix addiction people. You you could just go watch it any time you wanted to. You had to wait till it came on at 7 o'clock on Friday. You had to be there. And if you weren't there, you missed it. You missed it. Unlike you little spoiled brats, I mean, you watch anything you want, anytime you want it, any kid, no matter when. I mean, if it was from four years ago, you missed it. People are still talking about it, but you didn't get to see it. So I would watch, watch it, watch it, watch it. Before I know it, three hours, done, gone, lost all that time. Man. And so finally I got to where I was like, no more. The Spirit of the Lord was convicting me. No more. And I cut the cord on my TV, put it up in the closet. About a month later, like, I learned how to <laughs> learn how to be an electrician. I learned how to go fix the cord, little wire them all back up, a little duct tape, put it back together. Mom got to laughing. She said, because by about a year into this thing, that cord that was like four feet long ended up about three inches because I just kept cutting. Cut. The Spirit of the Lord would convict me. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't want to be like this. And then I would go back and watch TV. <laughs> Watching TV is not going to send me to hell. It's not going to send me to hell. The Spirit of the Lord was convicting me because in my time, in my moment right now, that's not right for me. I shouldn't be involved in that right now. The Spirit of the Lord will convict you about something. Everybody else is like, well, I'm wrong with that. And you're like, well, I do. And you're like, well, praise the Lord. Let go with the ghost. All right? Just go with what the Spirit of the Lord is doing. That's how you know we're righteousness because the Spirit of the Lord will convict you. He convicts me all the time with the way you guys drive on the interstate. He just convicts me and my response to the way people drive on the interstate. I, listen, if I repent daily, it's overdriving. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm repenting daily. The Spirit of the Lord will convict me. I'm just, I don't even know I'm doing it. I'm 90 miles an hour up the interstate, in and out of traffic, and all of a sudden, I will feel like this, ugh, come over me. And I'll hear the Spirit of the Lord say, what are you doing? I'm like, i got to get there. <laughs> like, you're breaking every law <laughs> that is put out there for traffic. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but there... I'm, I'm good at driving. And I'll repent. Lord, I'm so sorry. I'll back it on down, get over in the right lane, watch everybody pass me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And here's the third biblical rule. Come on, you guys are listening a little slow. We've got to move. Third biblical ro- ro- uh, rule for determining righteousness, and that is, are you loving your brother? And Paul starts dealing with this again in 1 Corinthians 8. He says, be careful, however, that... The exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. This is a whole mature teaching. It's hard for some people to grasp. Drop it down to verse 12 of that same passage. He says, for when you sin against them in this way, in other words, you have freedom in this. You have freedom in this. You're not convicted by it. There's no really biblical precedence that you're sinning against or anything like that. So, But when you walk in that freedom and it hurts your brother because of their weak conscience, he says, you sin against Christ. Verse 12, therefore, look what he says. So therefore, what I eat, if it causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. Let me give you just some examples of that here at Hill City. Um, Years ago, our leadership core, we all came into a covenant relationship with things like drinking. We don't drink alcohol. Drinking alcohol is not a sin. It will not send you to hell. Christians can drink alcohol. Drunkenness is a sin. Living in drunkenness, 
you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Galatians 5. So we decided to do that. Why? We're free. Why can't I have a glass of wine on my anniversary? I'll tell you why. Because people who have been raised in a certain way in Christianity, if they see me drinking wine, they'll say, how can he be a true Christian? So because I love my brother, I'll just take a Sprite. Thank you very much. Or the young believer who's just gotten saved says, well, Pastor Adam drinks a bottle of wine. Why can't I drink a six-pack? And that six-pack's going to lead me to a 12-pack, but it's okay. And next thing I know, I have caused them to live a life of drunkenness because they've justified their sinfulness based on my freedom, my liberty that I walk in. And so this is why I don't go see rated R movies. Radar moves not going to send me to hell, but I want you to picture that for a moment. You come in, you got your popcorn, you and your spouse. It's a, it's a rated R movie, you know. And as the movie starts, the lights kind of flicker up a little bit. You're, oh, there's Pastor Adam sitting right there in front of us. And next thing you know, into that scene, man, they, they are t- and you're like, oh, my pastor's up there. Oh, my goodness. I, first you're like, I don't want him to see me. And then you're like, what's he doing up in here? And they're, beep, blanky, 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 beep, blowing people's heads off. You're like, I don't know if I, and then I'm preaching that next Sunday. You're like, "Mm, he's preaching on love. I don't think he really got that. Does he see? Because I love you, I won't exercise my freedom in that. This is the truth of the scriptures. And so since I love you, I just don't participate in that. Not because because it's going to send me, not because I'm holier than thou. No, because I love you. Years and years ago, when I was a youth minister, Jamie and I had just gotten married. We'd been married six months, maybe nine months or so. And uh, at the church that Sunday, there was uh, a, a family. Uh, it looked like a bunch of homeschoolers. And there was this one kid. They started coming. He started coming to youth group. Nobody liked this kid. Nobody wanted to talk to him. He's just a weird kid. And one Sunday, while the preacher was preaching, the pastor was preaching, I got like, I'm gonna do something to help this kid. So I go run up to him afterwards on Sunday to this family. I said, Hey, listen, I'm getting a group of guys together to play basketball in a little bit. Do you like basketball? And a little guy was like, Yeah, I like basketball. I was like, Listen, won't you come, mom and dad? If you're all right, let me take take him with me after church. We'll go. I'll go get him some lunch. We'll go run through McDonald's and then we'll go play basketball. They're like, Oh, that would be great. Thank you so much. And so I get the guy in the, the little guy in the car, and he is. I mean, he is super religious. I mean, he has read the entire book of the Bible, uh, every book of the Bible. He thinks he knows everything. He's a 14 year old that nobody likes, but yet you know he knows everything. He's that kid. And so, uh, so I take him to. McDonald's. I pay for it. Take it to McDonald's, and then afterwards, I'm like, hey, let's run by my apartment, change my clothes, and we'll go play basketball. He's like, great. And so come into my apartment, and I don't think Jamie's there. And so I was like, dude, sit down and, uh, here on the couch. And uh, he goes, oh, man, I really like music. What all kind of music you got? I said, yeah, right there. You can check out, check out uh, my music. In those days, we had these big binders with all of our CDs in them. Anybody remember those? Got all my CDs in them. Boom, 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 boom. I go in the back, and I'm changing. I come walking out, and he's got one CD, and he goes, look at what you have. I'm like, what? Now, you got to understand, we've gotten radically saved, and in our time of getting saved, secular music was satanic. Everyone's going to hell if you listen to secular music. We burned all our cassettes. We burned all our CDs. We got, I mean, we cracked them. I mean, and so everything in that album is nothing but Christian. I mean, I got all of, you know, DC talk, you know, all of the, all of the whine-ins. I got all the whine-ins, right? And uh, BB and CC, I got all of that. I got all that. That's all that's in there. I mean, wor- oh, Wild Worship, 1998, you know, I, I got all that. And he's found one CD, he goes, look what you have. <sighs> I'm like, bro, what? And when we had got married nine months earlier, one of the older couples in the church got us a Kenny G CD. 
instrumental. Marry people. Marry people music. About as Christian as you can get beside the hymns. That's all it is. And he's like, look at you, Kenny G. I'm like, first off, I want to stab him. Like, it's like, 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 this is why nobody likes you. You will be, you'll live in the backwoods of nowhere. You're going to be storming the Capitol one day. I mean, you're that weird, that dude right there. <laughs> you saw me second. <laughs> I said, this is why. And then all of a sudden, this doggone scripture. If it causes my brother to stumble. I said, buddy, I, I, I love Jesus. Yeah, but you got this secular music. I'm like, my Jesus. I said, give it to me. I cracked it right there in front of him. I said, son, if it causes you to stumble. Well, it ain't going to cause me to stumble. You just living in sin. No, no, ho, 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 back yourself up. That I'll strangle you about. Because I know Jesus in a way you don't know Jesus. I'm living in grace through faith. I don't need all those regulations on me to grow in my faith. But because I'm more mature than you can even grasp, and your weakness and your little dead religiosity, I will destroy that right here in front of you so that you can know what true Christianity looks like instead of you trying to dump all of these religious duties on people. And maybe in this engage, you can feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit that you pushed away time and time again to follow rules and regulations that you get to set up and you get to determine. Broken. Threw it away. Got home that night. Jamie was like, where's the Kenny G CD? I was like, oh, there's this kid. And she's like, what's his name? I'll kill him. Take my Kenny G. No, she didn't do all that. Wrestling. Wrestling with righteousness. Wrestle with it. And guess what? As Christians, we're going to be hard on each other when we shouldn't be. We're going to be a little judgmental when we shouldn't be. We're going to be a little loosey-goosey when we shouldn't be. We're wrestling with righteousness. This is what the early church did. This is what you and I should be doing. We should be saying, Lord, does that offend you? Are you? I don't feel convicted. Okay, great. Let's roll. Let's live life. Let's enjoy Jesus. Let's by faith, through grace, serve the Lord our God. Are you with me? Say yes. But at the same time, if it offends my brother, if it's in the word of God, even though I don't want to do it, I'm going to, okay, I want to obey. I want to be like Jesus. Wait a minute. Is the Holy Spirit convicting me on that? It's not. It's not in the Bible, thou shalt not watch that much TV, but it's convicting me. Because where I'm at right now in my walk with Christ, I don't need to consume all that. Okay, Holy Spirit, you're right, thank you. I know you only have my best interest in mind. Are you tracking with me today? Say yes. We don't want to be uber religious and dogmatic, and we don't want to be loosey-goosey, so we got to wrestle with it got to wrestle where it's right, where it's secular, what is wicked, what is good, what is like Jesus. How do we love? This is Christianity. And if you're not wrestling with something right now, then I wonder where you're at on your walk. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand with me all across the room. Hey, thank you for joining us online here at Hill City. We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today. And I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week, wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469-606-2684? And uh, we want to respond and again, just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey 
with Jesus. Don't forget, next week we are here again, same place, same time, 9 o'clock. And until then, we hope you have an amazing week.